So good morning and welcome. I, you know, it's like I can't say good morning anymore because we are gathering from all over the world. <laughs> we have people from Cornwall this morning, so it's definitely not morning there. So how about I just say welcome. I am so glad you're here. I'm Reverend Cassandra Ray, the spiritual director of the Center for Spiritual Living White Rock in British Columbia, Canada. And this morning, being Valentine's Day, just wishing you all a happy Valentine's Day, I was surfing Instagram and I found an article by Adrian Marie Brown. And I wanted to read you a little bit from it because it is so perfect today. She's the author of a couple of books called Emergent Strategy and Pleasure Activism, an amazing voice. And here she writes today, this Valentine's Day, in her book, All About Love, Bell Hooks borrows a definition of love from Scott Peck. Love is the will to extend one's self for the purpose of nurturing one's own or another's spiritual growth. I love this definition. It is so active. It is about gardening the self and another, tending to growth, extending the self, the time, care, skill, the irretrievably precious moments of life to the work of growth. Such a beautiful reminder. And that is what we are here today for. We are tending to the love of spirit within ourselves and each other. And so wherever you are on your path, whether you're soaring or struggling, there's a place for you here. And I am so glad that you've joined us today. I am here living and working on the traditional unceded territory of the Coast Salish nations, including Tsleil-Waututh, Kwikwetlem, and Stalo First Nations. And so let us, let us now ground this time together in truth and spirit. I invite you to turn within and taking a breath. And recognizing that this moment is filled, infused, and vibrating with divine love. That pure, unconditional energy of the source of all life that is breathing itself into each and every one of us. I know that it is unlimited possibility, that it is infinite in its reach, and that it is in its, by its very nature, peace and compassion. And so I recognize that as the source of all life, it is my source, that this one mind is my mind, this one life is my life. And as I fully recognize, embrace and allow this truth, I recognize and know that each one here is a magnificent expression of spirit. Oh, and so I remember that each one is fully loved and embraced by the divine exactly where each one is. That there is this soft, gentle, yet powerful presence that embraces and propels each one of us to the fullest expression of purpose within. So that it unfolds just like a rose unfolds into its beauty naturally and organically. I affirm that this time together feeds the spirit and soul in a way that inspires each one of us to blossom into the birthright of beauty that each one already is. 
And so I give deep and profound thanks for this opportunity to connect and open the heart, to expand the mind and consciousness so that each one of us is this expression of love made manifest. What a beautiful day it is to be in community and to be together. Knowing that it is all guided and directed by love, I simply let it be. And so it is. And get ready. <laughs> get ready because we're going to turn everything on its head today. <laughs> In CSL centers and classes around the world, we're teaching people how to leave the limitations of your old stories and live into a new realization of your spiritual power and birthright. And it's a beautiful teaching and philosophy that has healed, empowered, and transformed generations of people, including myself. And today's message is about telling your story, <laughs> which is a little crazy because if you've been around CSL for any length of time, you might have picked up on this message. It might go something like this, like, Stop telling your story. Your story keeps you stuck in victimhood. You have to leave it behind. And, and I'm not saying that those statements aren't true because they are. And yet it isn't the whole human picture. So today we're delving into the intricacies of weaving your human story into the fabric of your divinity by walking the fourfold path of healing as laid out by Archbishop Desmond Tutu and his daughter, Reverend Mfo Tutu von Firth. So we began exploring this path last week when we looked at how to move out of judgment, blame, self-righteousness and revenge and into the heartfelt and healing connection of our shared humanity. And today we continue this journey into forgiveness by looking at the first two steps of the fourfold path of healing. Now, this is like hundreds of pages in the book that I'm that between last week and this week, we're condensing into like, <laughs> you know, a combined 40 minutes, right? So I want you to know that there is a lot more in the book. And so if this topic really speaks to where you're at, I highly encourage you to, to get the book and do the exercise and read further. For today, we are delving into these first two steps. The first one is telling the story, and the second one is naming the hurt. Those are the first two steps on this fourfold path of healing. So let's start by noticing the exact words of this first step telling the story. So it's not telling your story, it's telling the story. This one word makes a huge difference because the story isn't who you are. The story is simply a collection of facts of what has happened. And there's an interesting relationship between your story and the story. When you aren't allowed to tell the story, then 
it becomes your story. That is a biggie. And I'm just going to say it again. When you aren't allowed to tell the story, especially as a child or young person, then it becomes your story. You become trapped in it and it can define you. So we're even seeing this in scientific studies and research. So I'm drawing on this book today called The Whole Brain Child by Drs. Daniel Siegel and Tina Bryson. The, and the, the subtitle is 12 Revolutionary Strategies to Nurture Your Child's Developing Mind. And guess what? One of the strategies they teach is called Name It to Tame It, Telling Stories to Calm Big Emotions. And they write, the right side of your brain, of our brain, processes our emotions and autobiographical memories, but our left side is what makes sense of those feelings and recollections. Healing from a difficult experience emerges when the left side works with the right to tell our life stories. When children learn to pay attention to and share their own stories, they can respond in healthy ways to everything from a scraped elbow to a major loss or trauma. So this also applies to us adults. When we can tell the story, we can respond in healthy ways. In fact, the Book of Forgiving, the Book of Forgiving takes it one step further and on page 71, they tell us, telling the story is how we get our dignity back after we've been harmed. It is how we begin to take back what was taken from us and how we begin to understand and make meaning out of our hurting. So the authors give us very simple instructions Tell the story as it happened. Tell the story as it happened. And I want to acknowledge here that many of us were raised to not say anything that would cause discomfort in others. So speaking the truth about what actually happened could even be seen as disrespecting important people in your life. Also our own internalized shame can also stop us from saying what happened. So while the instructions are simple, they aren't necessarily easy. The, the authors also instruct us to tell a trusted person, someone who is affirming, empathetic, and trustworthy, and we must choose wisely to tell the story to someone who can listen and hold space without trying to problem solve for us someone who can acknowledge and empathize without questioning the facts or cross-examining. This is key because when you are witnessed in telling the story, that is part of the differentiating factor that helps you become free of it. When you are simply witnessed, 
And honestly, we're not that good at this. <laughs> we often want to solve problems for one another. Uh, but this isn't about problem solving. It's about presence, being present and empathizing with one another. And also, uh, the Archbishop and the Reverend Tutus also tell us that it is just as important as it is to tell the story, it's equally important not to get trapped in the story. So that was one way not to get trapped, right? Tell the story to someone who's gonna provide empathy and presence and not problem solving or advice giving or try to make you stop how you're feeling, which is part of this next part. Because how do you know when you're trapped in a story? What kind of things do you do when you're trapped in the story? I want you to think about this for yourself. What kind of things do you do and say when you are trapped in a story? And so one way to know if you're stuck is if you're willing to face your feelings. And I'm not talking about using your feelings to change other people's behavior, because honestly, that's more common. For us to use our feelings to try and change other people, that's actually super common and probably socially acceptable. Uh, but, but what I'm talking about is being present with the raw emotions of your heart. And here's what they write on page 95. Every one of us has a story to tell of when we were hurt. Once we're done telling our stories, the technical details of who, when, where, and what was done to us, we must name the hurt. Giving the emotion a name is the way we come to understand how what happened affected us. After we've told the facts of what's happened, we must face our feelings. Whew. This is probably one of the biggest reasons we don't forgive and stay stuck in this story. We must face our feelings. Now, Archbishop Tutu and Reverend Tutu tell us we must move beyond the bare facts to the raw feelings. Ugh. And in the book, they introduce us to Father Michael Lapsley. So on page 95, they tell us, Father Michael Lapsley was the victim of a letter bomb during apartheid, which robbed him of both his hands and his sight in one eye. Father Lapsley has devoted his life to teaching people how to heal through storytelling. From his own experience, he is keenly aware of the need for forgiveness in response to trauma. He reminds us of the importance of confronting and soothing the raw reality of our emotions. And in his words, we can't let go of feelings that we don't own. Just going to say that again. <laughs> we can't let go of feelings that we don't own. Whoa. I think so many of us get this backward. We think that if we don't feel it, then it can't hurt us. But it's actually the refusal to feel that causes the hurt. Ignoring it gives it more power and not less. 
deep breath because here's where we can use our faith and philosophy to provide space for our very human feelings and vulnerabilities. Drawing upon the science of mind by Ernest Holmes on page 34, he writes, there is that within us which partakes of the nature of the divine being. And since it partakes of the nature of the divine being, we are divine. This means that you are a divine being. That the divine, that invisible infinite, lives at the center of your being. That it is who and what you really are. A divine being. So your human experience is unfolding within your divinity. No matter what happens in your human experience, you are always held by the divine in you. And it is safe to feel what you feel because the divine in you is eternal, whole, and unbreakable. And you can take all of what's happened and how you feel directly to the divine in you. You can allow the divine in you to hold you, comfort you, and love you. You can give it all over to the divine by telling the story and naming the feelings directly to the divine. I personally do this through journaling. I write letters to the divine. And returning to the whole brain child, the authors explain why this is physiologically important. Physiologically, this telling, telling the story and naming the feelings is a physiological requirement of our brains. Check this out. This is what storytelling does. It allows us to understand ourselves and our world by using both our left and right hemispheres together. To tell a story that makes sense, the left brain must put things in order using words and logic. Then the right brain contributes the bodily sensations, the raw emotions and personal memories so that we can see the whole picture and communicate our experience. This is the scientific explanation behind why journaling and talking about a difficult event can be so powerful in helping us heal. In fact, research shows that merely assigning a name or label to what we feel literally calms down the activity of the emotional circuitry in the right hemisphere. This is physiologically required by your brain. And you see that this same way that you use the right and the left side of your brain to tell the story and name the feeling and how that integrates your whole brain into being able to actually let it go is the same thing that I'm talking about when you integrate your humanity and your divinity. It's bringing them both together because truthfully, you can't fully know your divinity 
until you embrace your humanity. We, we try to do that. We try to skip over our humanity and go right, right to like love and light, love and light, love and light, which is super true. But love and light is not liberating unless you are free of the emotions. And how are you free? You tell the story and you name the feeling. So in the book of forgiving, Reverend Umfo Tutu Van Firth shares her story of a tragedy that happened in her own home. It is heartbreaking. I'm not gonna tell you that story. You can buy the book if you wanna read it. However, Archbishop Desmond Tutu, who is her father, he writes this. My heart ached beyond measure to see my daughter and my grandchildren in such pain. Listening to Umfo's suffering, I had to stop my impulse to try to make it better, to fix it, and to try to take her suffering away. The only way I could really help was just to listen and offer my presence and my love. Listen and offer my presence and my love. This is the soul of today's message. The divine in you is listening and loving you. Tell the story, name the feelings in order to walk the healing path of forgiveness as well as to free your brain. For anybody who works with children, you will know that oftentimes children have to be witnessed in this telling and feeling and naming, telling and naming a few times before they let it go. But simply just, just telling it and naming it can free, freeze a child from, you know, things that they, they experience for the first time and it frightens them. It takes just this presence and your love, your willingness to listen. This happens for adults as well. This same process that works for kids, we don't like to admit it as adults, but it is the same thing that's required for us. So choose the best way to support and honor yourself. Maybe you want to do this in your journal. Maybe you want to give it all to God. Maybe you want to confide in a trusted friend, family member, licensed practitioner, or therapist. The divine in you knows what you need. And now it is your turn to practice courage and open your heart to healing. Tend to yourself so that you are free to experience the love and divinity at the center of yourself. And so it is.